Hey, this is Brian Golden. I am the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for taking the time to listen. And I just want to let you know if you are in the greater Tampa Bay area, we would love to have you join us at one of our gatherings. And here's the thing about Centerpoint. Our vision is really simple. We want to be an alternative to church as usual for all people. And that just means we want this to be a safe place that welcomes everybody, doesn't matter what your background is or really where you're at on your faith journey. And so if you want any more information about our gatherings, go to our website at centerpointfl.org. And then most importantly, whether you're a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just in that place of investigating faith, I really hope today's message encourages you and really helps you to find life and freedom in Jesus. How are we doing at our first Christmas Eve service of the season? And if you're brand new with us, this is our first time all together at this campus. And so we're pretty excited about today. My name is Bryant. I'm the lead pastor here. And so I just want to share with you for a couple of minutes. Here's the deal about Christmas. Like Christmas is supposed to be the most wonderful time of year. And for some of us, it is. For some of us, that's what you're experiencing right now. But for others of us, you just wonder. And here's the thing about the story of Christmas is that all of us wonder through a framework, meaning all of us, depending on our background, maybe it was something you experienced, maybe it's a loss, maybe it's somebody who walked out, maybe it's your childhood faith that you walked away from, maybe it's tragedy, maybe it's just unanswered questions, it's doubt, but all of us wonder through a framework. We all have a frame of reference. And for some of us, that frame of reference kind of determines how we look at the Christmas story because there's certain things we expect God to do or expect God not to do or, or certain expectations we have. And so sometimes it's, hey, if this is legit, here's how it should go down. Like, if this is for real, here's how God should respond. And honestly, like, that is the whole backdrop of the Christmas story where you have a baby show up in a manger and everybody at that time had a frame of reference that if God were to fulfill his promise, because there were promises for hundreds of years that God was going to send a deliverer and a Messiah. And so if he showed up, they had expectations about how it was going to look, how it was going to go down. Like, it's not going to be a baby in a manger with animals and a not so silent night. Mary giving birth to a baby with no epidural. Like it's not, like that's not the expectations that you have. And so what is supposed to be awe and wonder, sometimes you just wonder. So sometimes you just have questions. In fact, sometimes, depending on your frame of reference, you just have doubt. Now I'll come back to that in a second. Here's the thing growing up that was like the big question for me, or honestly the, the hang up I couldn't get past, the thing that I wondered about in terms of the Christmas story. And the thing that I wondered about the most was the whole idea of arranged marriage. Because as a kid, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but I, I thought about the horror of my parents choosing my spouse for me and how that would go down. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, is there anybody that has confidence that their parents would get that right at any point? And so, like, when I had my little girl, though, things started to change a little bit in terms of my perspective. I have a seven-year-old girl who I am incredibly, like, overly protective about. I've got three boys, and it's like, eh, not so much. But my, my girl at seven... In fact, just side note, like here's the thing about Christmas that I think about every single year is that Christmas is an incredible holiday to weary parents of toddler boys because I'm telling you, toys at Christmas, I, I love to do it because I love to like see my kids open gifts and experience joy. I also love it because toys at Christmas are incredible leverage for parents because if they like it, I'm gonna take it at some point down the road. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? 
Like when they open up and you're like, oh, you like Captain America? I love that you like Captain America. When you go off the rails at 3 p.m. on Christmas Day, Captain America is gonna be mine for a little while because it's incredible leverage for parents. Nobody knows what I'm talking about in this room, but I'm just telling you it is. That's just real talk. But anyway, back to my girl. My girl's seven years old. She, I'm incredibly protective of her, almost to an extreme um, extent. And so like she came home the other day and she's got a boy um, that is, I mean, she's only seven, that's supposed to be her boyfriend. And um, his name's Noah. And, and Noah, maybe, maybe you came with your parents tonight. You're going to be at one of our Christmas Eve services. But already I look at other little seven-year-old boys and I like, I see the seeds of like shadiness. And I just want to go, hey, hey, step off player for my little girl. Like get, get away from my girl. You know what I'm saying? And so all that to say, the whole question of arranged marriage, I started to think differently when I had a little girl, because I'm thinking I, I might be able to do a better job down the road. You know what I'm saying? Like I might, and if, and if you're here tonight with adult kids who are married, you can pretend you don't know what I'm talking about, but some of you are with me. Like, I think I could do a better job maybe. Like then, I mean, the horror of my parents know, but me, I, I think maybe I could do it. And my whole point is this. I just think that there should be a swipe right, tender version for parents selecting spouses for their little girls down the road. Cause I just, I'm just saying it's not a terrible idea. Anybody with me in the house? It's not a terrible idea. It's not terrible. It's not terrible. But can you imagine, can you imagine like 12-year-old, maybe 14-year-old Mary? Can you imagine all that she wondered about? Like, is this going to work? Joseph is a a lot older than me. Like, how's this going to go down? Are are we ever going to be able to connect? Am I ever going to be able to have kids? If I do have kids, are they going to be able to survive? Because if a kid got to like five years old in that culture, it was seen as providential because you just didn't survive. Like, what's it going to be like? How, how, how is this going to happen? How is this going to work? Can you imagine Joseph and all that he wondered with the backdrop of the Christmas story? Like, well, how am I going to connect with this girl? Is this going to be anything like my family? What, what's our life going to be like? Am I ever going to be happy? And they all wondered, though, through a certain framework because they were Jewish people And they had clung to a promise from hundreds of years before when God shows up to a guy by the name of Abraham and says, Abraham, I'm going to fulfill an unbelievable, at this moment in history, seemingly incoherent and almost impossible promise. But Abraham, I know nobody knows you right now in history, but eventually everybody's going to know your name. And I'm going to bless the entire world through you. And I'm going to create a nation. And at this point, he's 75, no kids. Not great odds. I'm going to create a nation. I'm going to create a kingdom. And eventually through that nation and kingdom, I'm going to bring a Messiah. And that Messiah is literally going to change and bless the entire world. And every Jewish person tried to cling to that promise that maybe God was going to do that. But now at this point in history, they're under Roman oppression. And God hadn't been speaking for a while. In fact, 400 years, nobody had heard from God. No prophet had spoken. And they're under Roman oppression and everybody is given up on that promise that maybe God's gonna do something. And I'm telling you, this is just something to look at in terms of the realness of the Christmas story. Everybody was at a dead end. The Jewish people were at a dead end. The nation of Israel was at a dead end. There was no way they could see God fulfill a promise through them. Joseph was at a dead end marrying a girl he didn't really know and probably didn't want to marry. Mary was at a dead end going, how in the world am I going to explain this? How am I going to tell anybody about this? What is this going to look like? He's probably going to divorce me. I'm just telling you, everybody in the story is at a dead end. And I'm just wondering this morning if some of you are at a dead end. And you're wondering if there's any way forward and what God's doing and why God has been silent for so long. And that's your framework. 
And yet there's a remnant of the Jewish people. They kept hanging on to hope that maybe God was going to send somebody in the, the kind of the spirit of Joshua, who was a warrior king that at one time, hundreds of years before, had defeated all of Israel's enemies. So they would name their little boys Yeshua, or literally Joshua, translated into our English as Jesus, hoping that maybe one of their boys would be the long-awaited warrior king, and they would free them from Roman oppression, which is what everybody was looking for. But God wasn't doing anything. And God seemed to be silent. God seemed to be inactive. And then out of nowhere, an angel shows up to a teenage girl and says, you have found favor with God, not because you did anything, because I just decided And God's about to do something incredible through you to send the long-awaited Savior, the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham to literally change the entire world. And here's where it gets so real. And this is where I love why the Bible is at street level and you can understand the language and you can understand the emotion because there Mary is and she has more clarity in that moment when an angel shows up to her than anybody had at that point in history. Like nobody had heard from God and there Mary is and she gets an angel and hey, there's gonna be the fulfillment of a promise and God's gonna do something through you. And you know what Mary's initial response was? Mary was greatly troubled at the angel's words and she what? And she wondered. Like Mary's first response with all of her clarity, all that she, I mean, come on, some of us are like, God, I just want you to throw me a bone. I just want to know that somehow you're active and there Mary is. She gets an angel that shows up to her and talks. And with all of that, Mary's like, I'm not sure. I don't know. I've got questions. Like, come on, how am I going to explain this to anybody? Like, see what, what happened? What, like, what, what, how's anybody going to believe this? And there Mary is. And she's assured of God's favor and God's promise, but she just wonders and she questions. And for some of you, that's right where you're at. And you want to maintain faith, but you're dealing with some dysfunction right now that you didn't even create. And you want to believe that God loves you, but your past is such that it's really difficult to cling to that promise because you know what wakes you up at night. Some of you are in a place you want to believe that there's purpose in what you're walking through right now, but you can't connect any of the dots. And Mary, the person that maybe we revere the most in the story besides Jesus, she's like, I don't know. I'm just wondering. And she doesn't start by lifting her hands and praising God. In fact, in verse 34, she says, how in the world... Is this going to be? Like, how are you going to do this? How's this going to take place? How's this marriage going to survive? Because Joseph surely is going to leave me. How am I going to explain this to my family? How do I even announce this? I mean, forget gender reveal party. We're going to have a divinity reveal party. Like, how's this going to happen? And she's just wondering how. And then verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Don't miss this. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you, Mary. Side note, in essence, implication, Mary, what's in you and what simply looks like dysfunction right now, and that's what it looked like to Mary. I'm a teenage girl with no explanation, and I'm pregnant, and this is not going to go down very good, and it just looks like dysfunction that was handed to me. And what God's saying in this moment is, Mary, what's in you that looks like dysfunction is actually from me. Hang on. And some of you might be in a place right now where the thing that looks like dysfunction 
And the thing that looks like disappointment may be disguised as God's destiny and God's will for your life. And you're hanging out with a frame of reference of God's left, God's silent, and God's going, the thing that you are most disappointed with may be the epicenter of my greatest activity in your life. And there Mary is, and she's like, how? How's it going to happen? And then fast forward 60 years later, a guy by the name of John shows up on the scene. And, and not John the Baptist, this is a different guy. This dude was as tight with Jesus as anybody. He hung around Jesus. He was so close with Jesus that when Jesus died, he said, hey, John, I want you to take care of my mom as long as she lives. Like, that's how close they were. John lives to be an old man, and John had seen it all. He had seen war. He had seen famine. He had seen violence in ways that we can't even imagine. He watched the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, which signified to Jewish people that Judaism is dead. He saw unbelievable atrocities. He saw Roman oppression continue over the Jewish people, and he gets to the end of his life. And a Roman Empire exiled him to the island of Patmos because he didn't want another Christian martyr because every time there was a Christian martyr, this new movement called the Way, later called Christianity, would simply continue to flourish. And so he's like, send John to an island. And so John's on an island in Patmos. And he's just wondering, is this going to last? Is anybody going to remember this? Is anybody going to be talking about this 2,000 years from now? Is anybody going to know about what I'm writing right now on this island, about all that I saw as I interacted with Jesus? Will it last? Will it work? Is it all over? And here's what is so fascinating to me is that John wondered within a framework like Mary and like Joseph, and he wondered through the framework of God's promise to Abraham that eventually he would send a savior that would bless the entire world. And don't miss this. This is so huge. This is so fascinating. That John, like Mary, and John, like Joseph, believed with absolute certainty that he was on the fulfillment side of that promise and that God actually did what God said he was going to do. And his friend, who would later become his savior, he believed without a doubt was the fulfillment of the promise to bless the entire world. And even with all of the questions, and he had questions, and even with all of the wondering, and even with some of the doubts, he believed that God had done something in history, that God was fulfilling his promise to bless the entire world. And his friend turned savior was God in flesh who came to planet earth to do what God had said he was gonna do all along. And John sits down and he writes this and he goes like, how do I tell people 2,000 years from now what, what happened and what took place? And he says this in 1 John 1, 1, that which was from the beginning, this is John, old dude, looking back on his life, describing what he experienced with Jesus. And he says, from the beginning, we've, we've heard that which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked at, which are which we have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. And John's like, I'm not talking about something that I just believe. I'm talking about literally something I saw. Generations need to know that I was there. I heard it. I watched it. I was with Jesus every step of the way. And then he says, this is so powerful. He's like, how do, how do I tell them? And he says, verse two, the life appeared. And we have seen it talking about Jesus and we testify to it. And we proclaim to you the the best way I can describe this is eternal life, which was from the Father and has appeared to us. And John, as he's dictating this, because he didn't write it himself, somebody dictated it for it. He's like, uh, here's the best way I can describe it. 
This guy, Jesus, if you wanna know what he was like and what I experienced and everything that went down, he was life. And no doubt John thought back to the day where they went to the best friend of Jesus, a guy by the name of Lazarus. Dude had been dead for several days and Jesus with a word told Lazarus to stop being dead. And Lazarus obeyed and came back to life. And John's like, I'm just telling you, I know it's crazy. I was there and I have nothing to gain by writing this down. I'm exiled to an island. And then not only that, we watched Jesus himself die. And then three days later, I'm just telling you, this is how it happened. I was with Peter and we went and we peered into an empty tomb and Jesus wasn't there. And then later we had breakfast with him on the beach. So if you wanna know how do I describe this guy and what was Jesus like and what did he do? Here's the best way I can describe it. When you're around him, he's life. He brings physical life. He brings spiritual life. He is in the business of bringing dead things back to life. It's just who he is. And we were around it. And we saw it. And so we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard, meaning the Bible didn't create Christianity, which is what some of you grew up with. An event in history created Christianity. Jesus didn't just come and was born in a manger. He lived and then died and then walked out of a grave alive. And John's going, listen, all of my friends died for this, not for what they believe. People do that all the time. My friends died for what they say they saw, came back to life so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship, just meaning our connection, our relationship is with the father and his son, Jesus. And then this is so powerful. And this is what some of you are here for and what you need to hear. This is the message that we have heard from him and that we declare to you, meaning John's going, I'm just telling you, I am absolutely certain, even though there's wondering, even though there's questioning, even there, though there is some doubts, that in spite of all of it, this is what we believe, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Meaning, there's just enough light for you to believe, even though you're wondering. And for some of you walked away from a framework because you were told by somebody that you couldn't have faith and doubt at the same time. And so you were in environments where they said, never question. And I tell our church movement here this all the time. If you're in an environment where it says you can never question, if you can't examine something, you should abandon it because Jesus invites all of the questions. And he has given you just enough light. And I'm just telling you, Mary and Joseph and John and Jesus would say, there is room to wonder. There is room to question. There is room to have some doubts, but your framework is God has done something in history that can allow you to even move through some of the darkest moments and some of the deepest doubts. And so with all of that as a framework, rewind back again to the story that you're so familiar with in Luke 2, 6, where Mary and Joseph roll into Bethlehem just as it had been predicted. And the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths okay. and laid him in a manger. You can come in. Because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were, and this is so important, this is the setup for everything that God was gonna do. And they were terrified. 
because, angel, because shepherds in that culture were big time outsiders. They were seen as marginalized. If there was a God, shepherds are not gonna be in with that God. They've, they've got some shady pastures because of how they have to interact with the temple system. And you just need to know this about everything that was written about Jesus. Jesus always moved toward the marginalized first. And he shows up to shepherds who are conditioned like many of us are. If there's a God, I need to run. But you just need to know this tonight. And you see this all throughout the gospels where Jesus is coming to shady Ponzi scheming guys like Zacchaeus to go, I'm coming to your house today and we're gonna hang up, hang out and whatever. We're gonna hang out today. And I'm just telling you, I'm here for you because I came to seek and to save the lost. And if God were to show up today, you just need to know this because maybe this isn't your framework. God would like you. God would see something in you. And what he sees in you is him because you are made in his image. And so he shows up to the terrified angels and he says this, and I'm just saying, if this is true, if what happens actually happened, this is so incredible. Verse 10, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. God is not intimidated by your past. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for how many people? All the people. I just wanna say this real quick because it needs to be said if you're listening via radio or podcast or you're in one of our services this weekend. If your experience, your framework with the church and Christianity has been judgmentalism, it's been hypocrisy, it's been self-righteous idiots, if that's kind of been the framework, then I'm just telling you, somebody sold you a counterfeit message because it is good news of great joy. And I don't know how many happy Christians you've met, maybe not a lot, but I'm telling you, when you understand this message, it is unbelievable and almost irresistible that God has done something that is not good advice. Good advice is something you need to do. Good news is something that's already been done. God has done something in history. And come on, if it wasn't good news to you, then somebody sold you a counterfeit version. You were looking to buy Adidas and somebody sold you Adidas or whatever. Like it's not the real thing. Mountain Dew, you got Mountain Lightning. It's not the same thing. And I'm just telling you, God has done something in history that's good news. It is for all people in every generation, in every language, regardless of race, Regardless of background, Republican, Democrat, gay, straight, white, black, religious, irreligious, everybody is invited in by Jesus because it is good news. I've done something for all people, not the good people because they don't exist, for all people. And I've removed every obstacle that would get in the way. Everything that you fear when I walked out of a grave and validated what I said, that I took your sin. And so verse 11, today in the town of David, because I made a promise to Abraham 4,000 years ago, 2,000 years later, Jesus would come through the kingdom that was set up by David and he would be the fulfillment of everything that God had said. And so in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord. But Mary treasured up all of these things. She pondered them in her heart. She just wondered. And then she tried to raise Jesus as far as what we know as normally as possible. And then as John writes it down one day, 33 years later, she watches her firstborn son die. And then three days later, 
she embraces her resurrected son who she knew in that moment was more than just her son. She was in fact exactly what the angels and prophets foretold. He was the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham and he was the savior of the world, but bigger than that, he was her savior. And it's in that moment she knew good news is here. Good news has come. Good news has rained down. Good news has come in the person of Jesus to fulfill everything that God said, even though we've been waiting for decades for it to happen and God has seemed inactive and God has seemed inattentive and we haven't been able to connect any dots. He's here and he's doing something to create a new framework for all of history. God has done something. God has brought something to humanity. God has done something in history and it doesn't take away all the wondering. But there is enough light because of what he's done in history to believe that no matter how dark it gets, that God can lead you out. And it doesn't matter what the grief is. It doesn't matter what the heartbreak is. It doesn't matter what the addiction is. It doesn't matter how deep the mental illness and depression is. It doesn't matter the divorce. It doesn't matter the illness that you're walking through. And it doesn't matter how much you wonder and how much you you doubt. You serve a God who can lead you out and there is enough light to lead you out of anything. And listen, faith is not the absence of wondering. Faith is not the absence of doubt. In fact, the hymn should go, not come all you faithful, come all you doubters. And bring your doubt and wondering with you, but it doesn't disqualify you. And in fact, your faith is the ability to move forward anyway with the doubt, believing that God's destiny and God's will and God's purpose may just be on the other side of it. Because a little boy, a little Jewish baby boy was born in a manger. And 2,000 years later, you just need to think about this. He has become a household name all over the world because he wasn't just born and he didn't just live. He died and then walked out of a grave alive, meaning that our framework is that even when I doubt and even when I question and even when I don't know what God is doing and even when I wanna shake my fist at him in honest moments, I know that he's done something in history and we serve a resurrected God who walked out of a grave alive. And I'm just telling you, he can resurrect any marriage and he can resurrect any dream and he can resurrect any destiny and he can resurrect any failed relationship and he can resurrect any semester and he can resurrect any longing and he can resurrect any decade of walking away from Jesus because you didn't have all of your questions answered. And today he invites you back with the doubting, with the questioning, with the wondering because it is the message of Christmas and God has done something that is even bigger than your questions. He's walked out of a grave alive in history. The baby boy became a savior to the world. You do not have to walk away. And then I'm going to close with this because I just want to say this to some of you in the house or listening right now, that there's enough light that no matter your past, God did something. God has removed every obstacle to you having a relationship with him. All of your sin, all of your guilt, all of your shame, all of your running. But God demonstrates his love for us in this This is a Christmas story. 
that while we were still sinners, meaning present tense, while you were at your worst, because when Jesus went to the cross, he knew everything that you were gonna do and are going to do. He knew everything I would do. He knew my darkest moments. And while I was still a sinner or at my worst, Christ died for me and Christ died for you. It's why it's good news. And you may be 35 years old and you've walked away for the last 17 years. And I just wanna tell you, in your unfaithfulness, God has been faithful to you. And you may be checked out this semester and decided you're gonna do your own thing as an 18 year old with some freedom. And I just want you to know that in your faithlessness, God has been faithful to you. And you may feel alienated from God, but God is not alienated from you. Because God at Christmas decided that he was for you before you ever had the chance to decide if you were for him. God came as light in darkness to stage a demonstration that could be documented so that you would have an anchor when things get dark and questions start to swirl and doubt starts to invade your mind. That God, even though I don't understand, even though I'm dealing with dysfunction I didn't create, I'm gonna trust you because of what you've done in history. And so with all the wondering and with all the doubts and with all the questions, there's just enough light to inform your faith. And there is just enough light to say yes to Jesus tonight and this morning, whenever the service is. It's gonna be a long weekend. And bring all your doubts, all your questions, and all your wondering to him. And so just a moment, I'm gonna give you that opportunity to, to pray a prayer. And a prayer doesn't save you, but it's a declaration of, I believe this. I believe it's true. I believe God's done something in history. And the scripture says, if you simply in your heart and mind, whether you make it audible or not, doesn't even matter, declare, I'm not gonna trust me or my way to get to God or, or have this idea that I've done too much to ever have a relationship with God. Instead, I'm gonna trust what God has done in history to die for all of my sins, coming as a baby in a manger and then living a perfect life that I couldn't live and then walking out of a grave alive. And so I'm trusting him as my savior. And the scripture says, the moment you do that, you become a son and a daughter of God. And despite you and despite me, nothing is ever going to be able to separate you from that love and that relationship. And so last thing, because I know, I know some of the framework some of you are coming from with your background. You're wondering, man, does God hear the prayers of sinners? It's the only prayers he hears. For God so loved the world that he gave and whoever trusts him, believes in him, will not perish, but have everlasting, forever, eternal, because Jesus is light and he's life. So over the house, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment out of respect for people who are around you. And as our worship team comes, I just wanna give some of you the opportunity in this moment to just respond. And for some of you, the response is, man, I believe I'm a follower of Jesus. It's the reason that I'm here today, but there's some questions and there's some doubts and maybe your questions and your doubts have maybe kept you from full on following because you didn't believe you could bring them with you. And I, I, maybe your declaration tonight just with uplifted hand is, I wanna continue to follow. And I wanna continue to believe with my doubts and with my questions and with my wondering. Would you just lift up your hand if that's you this morning? to say, man, that there's some of that in me. And, and 
tonight, I'm, I'm gonna begin to bring that with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then second invitation, and I'll be done. For some of you, this is, this is the morning where you'd go, I, I believe, I believe that God's done something in history. And you can just pray this prayer after me in your own heart, in your own mind, and, and the prayer does not save you. It's just a declaration of your trust. But right now, wherever you're at, radio, podcast, or in the room, this is for you. Jesus, I believe that you're God. I believe that you died on the cross for me. And three days later, I believe you rose again. Jesus, right now, would you save me? Would you forgive me? And I'm bringing all of my doubts and all of my wondering with me. And tonight, with nobody looking around, if, if that was you, would you just lift up your hand if for tonight was the first time you personally have placed your faith and trust in Jesus as your savior, even with the doubts, even with the wondering. Would you just lift up your hand if that's you this morning to go, this is the moment where I'm making a declaration of, I wanna follow Jesus. And for some of you, I'm bringing the wondering with me. Yeah. Yeah, anybody else in the room that would say, this is the moment, yeah. I wanna encourage you as you go out right before I pray that you would grab this little card in front of you that says, I have decided. And just fill that out. And we're not gonna do anything weird, but we'd love for you to take that to a connect point, either in the lobby or outside and just give you a little packet and some information about this new journey. And on January 30th, we start a new class called Starting Point. It's for anybody who's brand new starting in faith, who has questions and, and just is trying to figure it out and wants to really begin to grow and follow Jesus. We'd love for you to take that first step. So Jesus, I thank you for what you've done this morning. I thank you that you're continuing to fulfill your promise of thousands of years that you're gonna save and you're gonna rescue people and nobody is beyond that saving and that rescuing. No matter the wondering, no matter the questions. And we pray this in your incredible name, the name of Jesus, amen. And would you guys put your hands together to celebrate those who place their faith and trust in Jesus? And would you stand with me right now? Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.